And also, um, this week, uh, we're going to have a service at 2 o'clock on Thursday, uh, a memorial service uh, for my dad. Uh, it's really for me, uh, but it's for my dad, too. Uh, we're going to talk about his life and uh, how much he loved the Lord. Uh, and so if you want to come, I was telling uh, one of our people before the service, uh, everybody goes through stuff like this, uh, including the pastor. And so uh, you'll get to watch me in action, in live uh, action, just uh, me grieving my dad, the uh, loss of my dad. And so uh, if you'd come, I know that uh, many of you knew him. Uh, he didn't live here a long time, but uh, he was a memorable guy. Um, so that's 2 o'clock this Thursday. Uh, let me pray for us and just ask God's blessing on our time. God, thank you for this morning uh, being together. Uh, thank you for the new year. Uh, God, I just ask that you work in our hearts today, um, even through your scriptures as you uh, just remind us of this but also mark us uh, with this, uh, that we would live in light of your word, not in light of our fears, not in light of uh, the culture around us and what we've been taught, uh, but may your word be our guide, our final authority, our hope, our comfort. Uh, God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, One of the things in... uh, when you're the pastor, you get to uh, do these sort of things, but um, uh, we're going to have a, a kind of a service for my dad this morning. Uh, we're going to have one Thursday. I'm going to have one Friday, and who knows what's going to happen in the weeks to come. Um, but one of the things my dad would always tell me at the beginning of a new year, and I don't know how long he did this. I know this was the last probably five years at least. He says, I don't make any resolutions anymore. Uh, he said, I always uh, asked that uh, the Lord would give me strength uh, to deal graciously uh, with whatever he has for me this next year. And I thought that was pretty uh, interesting and funny to me that he didn't have to say that this year, uh, that he uh, knew uh, what the future held. It was with the Lord for eternity. And so... Uh, we are down here trying to figure this out. And I, I just want to ask you, are you ready for anything? You know, you kind of have to. I, I remember last year when we uh, turned, turned into a new year, everyone was going, oh, so glad to get rid of 2020. Because 2021 is not going to be as bad. That was funny. Uh, and uh, this year, I don't uh, hear people saying that. They're more like this, bracing for whatever comes next, you know. Uh, and that's probably a good way to deal with it. This morning, uh, I want to talk about the doctrine of death, the doctrine of death. And when I say doctrine, I just mean the word teaching. Sometimes in, in a church, especially theologians, pastors, they like to use big words to make themselves sound smart. And so that's what I wanted to do this morning is to sound smart. Doctrine of death. Uh, doctrine of death for everyone, but also for specifically for the believer at the second part of my message. As I was thinking about the scriptures, I realized that much of the scriptures are dealing with how to live down here, uh, how to live in kingdom type living here on earth. Um, and yet uh, in the midst of that, we have glimpses, some, some of them veiled glimpses, but glimpses of what life will be after uh, this life. Uh, upon death, what will happen? What role does death play? And I would just tell you, 
your death, your death should shape your days. Your death should shape your days. I realize that uh, most of the time we don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about ourselves dying. Uh, I bet you will, though. I bet you will die. And I bet I will die, too. You know, it's those things that's on the calendar. Uh, this is what is coming. And it should shape our days. It should kind of, uh, the idea of giving priority and, and wisdom and direction to what we spend our time on down here. And along with that, when I say the doctrine of death, I, I want to tell you that this morning we're going to look at the scripture. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to ask any some, someone, some expert outside the, the word of God. I'm not going to ask some expert what they think about death. I'm not going to talk about what Americans think about death or Germans or any nationality. Uh, I, it's not about what, you know, the American Indians or uh, some tribe in Africa, what they think about death. We are going to look at God's word. God spoke to us. He is the authority he is the one. He knows. And he has given us some uh, very clear pieces for us to understand what death is all about. And so that's what we will uh, look at this morning. He has spoken. I realize, and I, I want to jokingly but uh, tenderly uh, encourage you, uh, we should not get our picture uh, of death and what we know about death that is to come by touched by an angel or heaven can wait um, or any other source uh, because God is the only one who knows. Um, and so as, as we look at this, what we're doing is we're going to put pieces in place regarding death. These are critical pieces that will help us live without fear, without fear in the year to come. Uh, most of us, to some degree or another, in weak moments, will fear death. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you're teaching your teenager to drive. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Uh, if you're uh, going to the doctor. If you're eating something and you say, where did this come from? Uh, I grew up in a nurse's home, and my mom's, one of her favorite things to say is, you're going to get salmonella, and we never got salmonella, which my mom would say is because that she told us that we were going to get salmonella, but um, yeah, there's fears of different diseases that could be in your life. There's also, uh, uh, it, you know, the idea of cancer or a heart attack or a car crash or a plane crash or whatever. Uh, there's fears out there. And I just want to give you this morning critical pieces that we can face the future without fear. Um, and, and I want to tell you this, that I, even as we begin, um, you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know anything about death. You don't have to be smart uh, to Spend your days in faith and walking without fear. You, you don't have to be smart. Um, you just need to trust in the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness is preparatory for you, right? What he's done in the past in your life is what should shape how you uh, trust in, the, in him in the future. 
And and I want to put alongside that is to say this. Don't trust your government when it comes to these things. You can amen in church. It's church. Go ahead. Uh, Don't trust your government. Uh, You know, don't trust uh, the medical profession or your insurance or drug companies with your future. I want to say something, and some of you think I can't get off this topic, and I can't. My dad didn't die from COVID. He didn't. Uh, the first test he had was when he went in the emergency room, and they went, well, just want to make sure, you know, he didn't die from COVID, or he doesn't have COVID. Um, he could have died from COVID. He could have. Some, some of us were, well, did they die from COVID? How'd they die? You know, we're really interested in the details. Um, he died according to God's plan. He died according to God's plan. Um, I, I think about, we did the study through the book of Daniel, and the Babylonians took God's people into captivity, and they were, uh, who, who took them into captivity? Bab- the Babylonians took them into captivity, and it was those, those kings, right? All those kings we talked about, Shadrach, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't kings, but those were the ones that got taken into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar, remember him? Um, and I just want to say, uh, God put them into captivity, right? This is the way we need to look at these things, is to see that God was uh, intimately involved. He wasn't, it wasn't something outside. It wasn't the COVID, you know, it wasn't anything else. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't a heart attack. It wasn't any of those things. It wasn't even old age. Um, it was just simply part of the plan of God. And so we look at his faithfulness, and hopefully as we look uh, at his faithfulness, we can eradicate fear for us. How do you eradicate fear? There's a couple of different ways. One is through experience, right? Uh, you ever done, you know, I talked about driving. Uh, I was, um, you know, excited, but a little fearful of driving a car before I knew how to drive, Right? And now I do it without thinking, which should make all of you fear, right? Uh, This idea, I remember when I was commuting down to seminary, I I remember thinking, I can get three quarters of the way down to the San Fernando Valley without thinking. It's like I woke up three three quarters of the way down. Oh, here I am, Santa Clarita, you know? Uh, But this picture is if you've done something before over and over again, it gives you confidence and you go, I'm not afraid to do that. I got it. How can you do that with death? You can't, right? There's no way to experience death without dying. And and that's pretty final. We'll get to that too. Uh, the, The other way to eradicate fear of something unknown, you know, right? So you can have experience, but you can also know somebody who has experience and you just trust them so much and they give you uh, that sense of confidence because of what they have told you. And I just want to tell you, uh, the one we're trusting today is the God who loves us so much, who's communicated with us. Uh, And so this is what we're going to do. I realize that I have 10 points this morning, so I better get moving um, so we don't go into 2023. Um, 10 truths uh, about death that will give us foundation for fearless living in 2022. The first one is this, uh, that death is and was the result of sin. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, and and I want to walk you through these things. These first five are for everyone. 
They're not for believer or unbeliever. They're for everyone who has a soul. Everyone who has a soul, they need to think these things through. The first thing is this, that death is and was a result of sin. In Genesis chapter 2, and if you think of Genesis chapter 2, this is uh, pretty early, right? In the beginnings, uh, Genesis, you always think of the beginnings. Creation, uh, God is telling uh, Adam and Eve about this one particular tree. And in verse 17, he says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, uh, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. And as you look to chapter 3, you will see that death occur, that death coming into the world. And if you think about it, if you look at the Bible, you have these first two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, everything's good and perfect and and this sweet communion and fellowship and everything gets messed up as this sin occurs. And this sin brings about death. Uh, first to the animals, then uh, to one another, and death and decay are all over the place. If you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12, I'm going to go pretty fast here. Uh, as soon as uh, I'm working Stan out this morning back, back there. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was the one man? Adam. Adam, right? Sin came into the world through Adam. We just, it's Genesis chapter uh, 3. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, uh, because all sinned. And what you get here is this, and and we're going to talk about this as we study Romans. You have Adam uh, being the first sinner. Uh, don't worry, you've you've done. We we did, you know. We took care of sin ourselves as well, right? We've done a good job, and uh, some of you are saying, "Well, yeah, that one sin, yeah." That one, and then that other one, and then that other one, and you know, the list goes on uh, of sins that we've committed. Sin is connected, and death through sin, right? Sin enters, and then death enters. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And you can ask the question why is there death? And the quick, and simple, and clear, and authoritative answer is because of sin. Sin's not a joke, right? We joke about sin all the time. Our, our culture jokes about sin. We j- joke about immorality and uh, all kinds of greed and, and stealing and the idea of taking advantage and pride and uh, selfishness. We think it's funny. But as you look at it through the scriptures, you realize sin, sin brought about death. And it hasn't gotten any better, okay? And so for us to remember One of the truths is sin brings about or results in death. Number two, our days are numbered and they will end in death. You know what the number is? 19,377. You know what that number is? That's my days. I figured it out. I did the math. I even looked up the leap year years, you know, right? Uh, maybe it'd be good for you to do that as well. I thought it was a lot bigger number. Maybe I'm a lot older than I thought I was. But 19,377, those, those are my days thus far, thus far. But if you look at the scripture, Psalm 139, verse 16, 
Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And this is, Psalm 139 is a a great passage about God's creation of us and his knowledge of us and how he knows every little detail about our life, both, uh, you, you know, in this world, but even before as we were created. But this is what it says. Psalm 139, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And then he says this, in your book were written every one of them, every one of what? The days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. And as you look at that and you go, wait a minute, God knew my days? He knew the number of my days? Isn't that fascinating? And I want to connect this for you, and I'll just share it with you. And um, uh, It's not in days, but um, our first son died at four months and three days. And I want to tell you that this passage, this one that I'm sharing with you right now, was a great comfort to us. What if we would have went to a different doctor? What if we wouldn't have went to Santa Barbara? What if we wouldn't have treated him that way? What if we would have bubble wrapped him more? What if we would have uh, given him a different, you know, medicine or this or that? What if there would have been a procedure? What if, what if, what if, what if? And I want to tell you, look at the scripture. Authoritative, eternal word of God. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Why don't you grab hold of that? It's important for you, but it's important for your loved ones as well, right? It's important to dealing with death. Our days are numbered, and our, after that number is up, we'll end in death. My dad was a, a great preacher. He was a great preacher, meaning that he repeated himself a lot. He repeated himself. And one of his things he's been repeating in the last years is, I want to know what the number is. I want to know what the number is. It would, yeah, I, I, I want to know what my number is. I, you know, I realize I'm, you know, he would talk about being an old guy and he was 86. And he says, I want to know what my number is. 31,767. That was his number. He, he, it doesn't matter to him anymore. But I looked it up and I did the, put in the leap years and all that good stuff. Pretty high math for a guy like me. Psalm uh, 90, verses 10 through 12. I want to read this to you because I think it connects with this idea of numbered. And there there, there are probably, I think, uh, seven or eight passages that refer to days or numbers when it refers to one's life and ending in death. But this one right here, Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12, says this. The years of our life are 70 or Uh, Even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. And they are soon gone and we fly away. Verse 11, uh, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. I want to just kind of summarize these, this section by saying this, our days are numbered by God, not by us. Not by us. Um, there's a group of people in our world right now who think they can live forever. They can't. Their days are numbered. 
And in their arrogance, they say, oh, we got this and we got that. There's this technology. There's this thing that I'm taking. I want to tell you, their days are numbered. Not by them, but by God. And our days come to, uh, come to a conclusion by the hand of God, not by man. I want to, I want to be very, very careful. I not really that careful. But like, anyways, I want to be clear this morning, okay? And we say this all the time. We say this all the time. I heard it in this room right here. I've heard it in the hallways. I've heard it in the hospitals. I've heard it in the cafes. We speak of one's death. And I want to be careful because these are some tender memories for you. But if you think about them biblically and clearly, they'll be even more special to you. So uh, my dad died Christmas Eve. I think I mentioned to you last week, for those of you who were here, um, if you were here both the last two Sundays, you, we're going to get some kind of badge for you or something like that. That's, it. That's significant, you know. Um, but, you know, the last two weeks. Anyways, uh, this is how my life went. Uh, Christmas Eve, I got to be here at the services. The last uh, couple days before that, my dad was in the hospital, and my sister and I were kind of swapping out. Um, and Christmas Eve, uh, I, I, you know, I left my sister with him at about 2, 3 o'clock, came here to the services and ate some cookies at my house, and then I went and relieved my sister at uh, my dad's house. And then he passed away that night, you know, not long after my sister left, at 9.42. Uh, I made that time up because I was the only one there, and I looked at the clock. Um, I felt kind of powerful. But um, the nurse came, uh, the hospice nurse, and uh, I was describing to her what had happened, and, and she said, oh, he waited for you. He waited for you. And I'm like, you waited for me? And I, I love that thought that my dad waited for me. It's not true. I loved it, though. I loved the idea of it. Um, my dad went home, and everybody dies according to the plan of God. And I want to tell you, I want to give you a better picture than my dad waited for me. God graciously, kindly to me, allowed me to be there when my dad died. And it was somehow part of his plan. It was somehow part of his plan. Uh, I wasn't there when my mom died. That was somehow part of his plan too. It was gracious. It was kind. This is God's plan. And we fit into the plan of God. Man does not bend the plan to his will. We don't lengthen our days and strengthen, you know. They're on the plane. I I, I just want to hold out to see them one more time. And because I'm strong, I'm going to do that. That's not true. It's God's gracious plan coming in those last moments of one's life. Days are numbered. What's the number? Well, it says generally uh, in this passage, 70 to 80 years, 70 to 80 years. I know there are those, but that's the general, that's the general thing. My dad was 86. Um, I had a grandmother who lived to be 93, and I think another one, Rebecca had a, a grandfather, 99, you know, different years, right? But you also know people who have died in their 40s, right? My son died when he was four months. You know, but generally, 70 to 80. And uh, if that's news to you, um, where you been? Um, 
But uh, know this, that right now, where you're sitting in life, you should be planning, right? Even if you're very young, you should be saying, well, I only have this many years. I only have this many years. Can't waste them. I got to number them. I got I to think through. The, the idea of numbering your years is an encouragement to you to invest well today that you might live well the days that the Lord gives you. I don't know how many days he gives you. You should be counting them, right? I got my number. Maybe I'll count tomorrow too. I'll put that number on there. It gets easier if you stay up on it. Um, okay, that was number two. Um, number three, number three. Generally, death happens once and then the judgment. I say generally. Uh, let, let me just give you these scriptures. First of all, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 to 28. It says this, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Uh, so Christ, uh, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, uh, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting, waiting for him. I, I just want to give that second verse as um, context, but the, the whole passage is talking about Jesus and what he does uh, in coming to this earth, r- redeeming man, loving man, going to the cross, uh, him sacrificing for us. In the midst of that, he tells us, uh, God tells us, book of Hebrews, that there's this simple rule, man dies once and then is judged. Uh, all, all people, all people, that remember this is general, right? This is for everyone. Uh, sin brings about death. Death comes by the plan of God, everyone. Third thing, right? Uh, what is it, the third thing? It's that Generally, everyone dies once, and then there's the judgment. I say generally because some of you Bible scholars are thinking right now, right? You're going, well, what about Elijah? He didn't die. Enoch, it doesn't say much about him, but he, it seems like he didn't die, right? So maybe not everyone dies. And then in the New Testament, you have Lazarus, and you have Jairus' daughter. Uh, what happened there? They died, and then Jesus miraculously Brought them to life again. Uh, I, I realized to be the miracle of Jesus would be amazing, right? To, be, to have Jesus do that. Part of his plan is to bring you back to life. But um, I, I thought about that and I go, oh, well, if you look at the perspective of death in the Bible, it's kind of a bummer, right? Uh, you, you, you finish the course, you're, you're done with life, and then Jesus brings you back, uh, really thinking this through, generally you have one death and then on to judgment. Know this, uh, that death happens once. I realize that uh, many people would say this, yeah, I died, I died. And then I came back to life, you know. They, the, the doctor said I was dead. And then I came back to life. And I would say this, doesn't look that way in the scriptures, right? God decides who's dead. You don't get pronounced dead uh, by a man, and God says, "Oh yeah, I, I thought I was taking you home, but the, it didn't work out." Like, think about this: death once, death once, and what's right after that? Judgment, bringing before. Uh, your life, your life being before the judge. Obviously, as you look at this, uh, you realize that life's 
uh, not that important apart from you having to answer for the life that you lived, right? And so know this, that death, uh, right after death is judgment, and to know that as a person. Uh, this isn't a church-wide thing. It's not a group project, right? It's you personally. Death brings about judgment. Fourthly, um, and this is, you know, I'll just breeze through this, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 Those of you who have grieved the loss of a loved one, right? I think especially of those of you who have lost a spouse. Boy, that's that's hard. Yeah, I think of uh, you know, lived got married when you were young, and then you lived uh, your life and your lives just intertwine as the years go on and you share memories and pictures and heartache and sorrow and uh, God's faith. And then you lose your spouse, right? After years, many of you, uh, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years, um, how hard that is. But know this, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, realize where this is, right? Uh, Last couple chapters of the end of time, the end of history, uh, as we know it, as we uh, are, it's revealed to us, it says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And what does it say? And death shall be no more. The awful separation and the pain and the grieving of death uh, is going to be eradicated in the future. It's not now, right? Um, it's not now, but it is going to happen in the future. And then the fifth point, and really making our transition from that which is true for everyone to that which is true for believers only. You have in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And just know this, for everyone, you're either believing or you're rejecting Jesus. You're either believing or you're rejecting Jesus. And that's for all before death. John chapter 11, verses 25 says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What a powerful picture of, yeah, we're all going to die. But for those who have believed in Jesus, if you believe in him, you'll die, but you'll live. You'll die, but you shall live. And this idea that says that that life will not just be, verse 26, it shall not just be a temporary life. It's interesting, Jairus' daughter died again. Lazarus died again. Right? Even the miracles of people that they had ailments and Jesus healed them. They died from something else. Right? Um, This life uh, is this temporary thing. And if we believe in Jesus, we will still die. But in dying, we will live. And that life will be eternal. That life will be eternal. Unaffected by the sins of this life. Hard for us to imagine, huh? Because everything's a mess because of sin, right? Everything's touched. That is uh, for everyone. Now, for believers only, believers only. We're still moving along here. 
Philippians chapter 1. I, I want, want you to get this because it's important. And some of these scriptures I got to share with my dad. I say share with my dad. My dad already knew them, but I read them to him again. Because I wanted his, I wanted to make sure that he was uh, confident, and he was. In fact, I would say my dad was fearless. Uh, he said to me and my sister, he said, uh, he says, I'm not afraid to die. He says, my God has taken care of me all these years. Why would I not trust him now? Um, and, and listen to this, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, Paul's going back and forth in his mind of what God has for him, and it says, he says this, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm meant to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which, which I shall choose, I, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two, my desire to depart and to be with Christ. And then he says this, for that is far better, far better. It doesn't matter. Like, like whatever you're leaving behind, whatever you're going to in Christ is far better. You, you got to think that. You got to understand that. If you were to die today and you were in faith to know this, that whatever you left behind, whatever treasures, whatever relationships, whatever opportunities you left behind, what you're going to is far better, far better. Confused about death, we often uh, say, oh, I just wish they could come back. (laughs) I just wish they would be with me again. And we get confused. Uh, King David lost his son and he, he made the comment he, as he was reflecting that there wasn't going to be the, the, the son coming back, but he would go to him. And this is the picture. That heaven is the destination. It's not this idea that oh, earth is such a great place. Bear Valley Springs is paradise. Come on. Are you serious? Can't even figure out how to do the dump thing, right? <laughs> Those of you who live outside the gate, it's, it's not that complicated, is it? Trash. Anyway. Um, death for the believer is better by far. It's not, it's not even a race, right? It, it's ridiculous to say. I, I want to tell you that how this should apply to you. Maybe, maybe you're going to get sick and be sick over a long period of time. Maybe the end is going to be difficult for you. Many times it is. Maybe, maybe the heartache of this life is just long, long days. But I want to tell you, cumulative, all the problems of this life, all the idea of like what, what is down here, as you compare it to what is awaiting for the believer, we need to know and we need to remind ourselves that it is far better, far better, not to be compared. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, it says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death better than the day of birth. That's hard for us to imagine, right? We rejoice. We rejoice when babies are born, right? We, oh, it's so great. Um, yeah, just, just enjoy that, right? Enjoy the, the baby being born. Uh, don't overthink it. Some of you are overthinkers, 
and uh, you got a little Eeyore put in there too. And you think of that little one and you go, oh no, oh no, what's their life going to be like? Where are they going to go to school? What's the next pandemic? Who's going to be president? What country are we going to live in? You know, like all these thoughts and, and you really, and then you give me a personal, you go, oh, the sins they're going to struggle with. Oh, the, the frustrations of life. Oh, they might get sick. Oh, you know, they, and the, the list goes on, right? Ecclesiastes, it says, you know, there's a better, uh, and I think it's connected both with this and a further point, but just know this, that comparing the two, the day of one's birth and the day of one's death, uh, death is better, and I would say for the believer. Number seven, a death for a believer is not separation from God. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. But, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, neither death. Look, look at that. So when we think of death, we immediately think of separation. A husband and a wife are separated in death. A family is separated from their love song, loved one. I, I'm no longer going to see my friend anymore. We're separated. We'll never see each other again. But know this, that as you come to faith in Jesus, you're in a love relationship with the Father in the gift of his Son. You have that relationship. You're a conqueror. And how long does it last? What can affect it? Not death. It says, uh, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death for the believer is not separation from God. It's not. Number eight, death for the believer is being home with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, uh, we're of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Home with the Lord. Uh, some of you are travelers. Some of you are travelers, and you go either you fly or you drive, or you have this house on wheels that always falls apart that you drive. And, and you go, and, and you go, and I, I hear you say this all the time. You come home and you say, oh, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's good to be in my place. And I want to tell you, all of us know that feeling, you know, sleep in your own bed, the idea of being in that which is familiar, comfortable, secure. But in the scripture, it is not our home in Bear Valley or wherever you live. It's not being in your room, in your house. It's not even being with your particular family. What death is pictured like, and, and the, the desired place, the desired place for the believer is to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Your person, there's a bunch of different words in the scripture that, to define your person, but the idea of your person is separated from your body, the leftovers, I want to say that the leftovers, your body's leftovers. And for some of us, there's not going to be much left over, right? Uh, you're going to be, a, your body's falling apart and, you know, 
They're not going to sell it for parts or anything like that. It's just not, you know, it's falling apart. And this idea of the separation of your person from your body, know this, that uh, the death for the believer is being home with the Lord. What a beautiful picture for us. Number nine, death for the believer will be victorious will be victorious. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great resurrection passage talking about, you know, what the resurrection and the implications of it. And it comes to the end and it uh, talks about our body, the perishable, and uh, what happens in death. Let me read from verse 54. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal Uh, puts on immortality, then uh, shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, though death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. We talked about that before. And the power of sin is the law. But listen to this, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's victorious. See, there is a loss to death. There is a sting and a pain and and a sense of of, uh, defeat, if you will. But because of Jesus, what he did on the cross, but even in the resurrection, it says we're thankful. Why? Because he gives us the victory. Gives us the victory. Um. There is loss for me in my father's death. And for any of you who have lost a loved one, there is a loss. But for them, if they're in faith, it's victory. If you can picture this, uh, you're playing a game, basketball, soccer, football. Not so much baseball because it's more of a pastime. It's kind of easy and fun. But But like you picture a football game where they're pushing and shoving and they're bleeding and they're they're tired and it's the fourth quarter and they're you know they're just trying to push as hard as they can and then finally it's over it's over and they look at the scoreboard and they realize they won because the score is final it's victorious i want to tell you that's the life of the believer not because they've been great not because you know they've done all these great things But the victory has been given to them by Jesus Christ, by what he did on the cross on their behalf. The life that they have in him, because they believe they've they've gotten the life that is in Christ, the life eternal. The scoreboard says the game is over and I won because of Jesus. Number 10. Death for the believer means the struggle is over. The struggle is over. In 2 Timothy, Paul was writing uh, to Timothy. It was probably his last letter. He knew that he was not long for this life. And he, as an old man, he writes to his young Timothy. Uh, but he shares with him his perspective on life now. And it is God's perspective in Paul that's written for us to know today. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul says this, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. His picture there is uh, the, 
the altar that they would have. And as part of the sacrifice of the animal, they would take a wine and they would pour it over and it would sizzle and it would be poured out and, and really wasted upon the altar as an offering, as worship. And Paul looks at his life and he says, I'm being poured out. He said it, I think, two other times in the scripture. He, he says this, he says, I'm being poured out. My life is being wasted. There's not much left. He says, I, the time of my departure has come. He's talking about his death. And what does he say? I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I'm done. I'm done. Made it to the end of the game. Made it to the end of the race. Made it to that last day that was numbered for me. I'll just end with this this morning. One great theologian wrote this. He said this. Death is the end of dying. On the day of, a belie- of the believer's death, dying is forever done with. The saints who are with God shall never die anymore. Life is wrestling and struggling, but death is the end of the conflict. It is rest victory. This is what we rejoice in. And this is what we uh, trust in. We, we know this is happening for the life of the believer. I just want to tell you, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're not, your soul is not ready for the day of your death, uh, let's w- work with God today. Let's cry out to him. Let's work these things through. If you need someone to talk with you, I'd love to. Our elders would love to uh, work this through. It's important, right? We don't know what 2022 will hold, but we know this, that he can be trusted with your soul.